When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Halloween. This is for the girls podcast. We're back. We're back. I'm the witch Jason Black. I am the sorceress Nick Westrate. And um, this is your podcast that's been away for a while about um, gay people's love of female performers uh, that we call divas. Yeah. Yep. We talk about iconic women. We talk uh, about iconic women and why we love them and why we've loved them since 1993. And we're back. We're back. We're back. Fully new episodes every week. Episodes in the Patreon. I'm lying. It's not really what's going on. Jason, tell the kids what's happening. We're back for one night. <laughs> We're back just like the Sanderson sisters. Um, once you finish this, the the black candle will flame out and that'll be it. No, we don't know. Well, that's what know. happened. One of our battle angels lit the black flame candle and we all of a sudden just got transported into your headphones and we don't know how to get out but we hope to figure it out over the course of this podcast. We can't make any grand plans or announcements uh, no. yet. We can no. just know why we're back for this one episode. This why one is that Why is that? Well, well, you'd be a fool. And, and again, I love that we're like, guess what we're doing when it's on the on the title for of the episode. Who doesn't read? Everyone who doesn't read. Everyone, for everyone who can't, for everyone who can't read, Leah Michelle, who listens to this podcast, we are doing. Pocus, pocus. Isn't that such a horrible rumor about Leah Michelle? But I'm obsessed with it. But then she just got an amazing, amazing review. So she's having the last yeah. laugh on this. And she she's going to be proving herself to be like in on the joke. On the reading joke. Um, yes. Well, for, for everyone who can't read uh, this, we're doing Hocus Pocus 2. We had to come back. We had to do this. We just had to hop on the like we have not spoken about the movie yet. We watched it last night separately from each other because we still haven't seen each other since the start of the pandemic, kids. There's your life update. Jay and I have been held apart by this horrible thing called the coronavirus. Literally. Literally how I I had I had plotted and schemed for the beginning of last year to go come to New York in the summer. Uh-huh. And I had purchased Broadway tickets. We were oh, going to do multiple. all sorts of fun things. And then it all fell through because Jason got COVID. Isn't it funny? I haven't called it coronavirus in such a long time. No. And I like, I like, I was like literally one of the last to get it. And it lasted for two full weeks. I moved my ticket like a hundred times. I like within the, when I first got it, I was like, I'm coming in four days. I was just like, I can, ma- I can hundreds of dollars just to move this ticket. And he was just getting those big positive lines, just those real strong thick, pods. Thick lines, the thick lines. As, as Beyonce said, those lines were thick. So, actually, I haven't really seen your face in a, like in a long. This is this this podcast has brought us together. This podcast has literally physically brought us together. Maybe we should do it every week. Who knows? And the absence of this podcast has torn us asunder. 
Is there anything, we have nothing to say to each other anymore now that we're not just consuming massive amounts of media, female-focused media. Um, is there anything, any diva news you want to tell me? No, I never do, but I know you do. And I thought it was so, I love the one that you have that you took, that you did say that you wanted to talk about. I was like, that's so random, but drop it, drop it. Like it's hot. We haven't seen it, but drop it. Wait, what was it? I forgot. Sinead O'Connor documentary. You were like, I've got to mention this Sinead O'Connor documentary. I really want to see the Sinead O'Connor documentary. No, I have a bigger diva news than that, which is I just want us all to light. I lit a candle. I lit my own black flame candle this morning. For who? For Katie Couric, girl. Katie Couric has breast cancer, she announced, but she's treating it and it's it's going well. When did you Um, find out about this? This is a couple days ago. Gosh, I'm breaking the news right on the air. Yeah. My Katie Kirk yes. Google alert didn't show up on my... On my you need to check and make sure that your spam, your Katie Kirk Google alert. Oh, no. No. So everyone, like, just light some candles for Katie. Maybe burn a thing. Maybe open your spell book and cast a spell of protection over her. Because we love you, Mama. We love you, Katie. We love Katie. She... She really also loved Halloween. She was a Halloween mama queen in the 90s. I think I really think she brought that Today Show brought the Halloween up. Like they brought that to the masses. (laughs) Poor Ann Curry always getting forced into a Halloween outfit and feeling deeply uncomfortable about it was my favorite thing. thing, One of my favorite spooky season things to do is y'all treat yourself. Just Google Today Show Halloween outfits. It is nightmare fuel. It is what it's it is- also so much scarier knowing about Matt Lauer, what we know now. To see him dressed as Lucy from Peanuts is really horrific. It is just, yeah, that's we're just gonna give you that that he dresses as Lucy, but otherwise, just go and peep the scary, the scary, scary early morning scaries. It's spooky, ooky, what they used to get up to. Oh, just listen to the sounds of New York City outside my window, as per usual. All your favorite things from our non-podcast studio. Yeah, that's another update. We didn't... Our our equipment is even worse than it used to be. We're not editing this because we've become incredibly lazy, sloth-like beings. <laughs> All right, we're doing Hocus Pocus 2. That's why we're here. Hocus Pocus 2. We're so back. you watched we're Did you have fun? Did you have fun watching? What happened? Let's talk about this. Okay, Obviously, we all know that Hocus Pocus is on my top five favorite movies. It's my, like, secret favorite Bette Midler performance movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's funny. Off mic, I, I kind of was, before we saw the movie, Nick and I were doing a debrief, just kind of, like, just wishing each other happy Hocus Pocus today, as you do, and uh, checking in with our feelings. And I kind of had this, like, conflicted feeling um, and and kind of like I was I was I was sorting through my feelings about that like toxic fan culture for like a start like bro culture for Star Trek, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars, more like Star Wars and whatever. What are the what are the other IPs where people are really like ownershiping on uh, Star Wars? Star Wars just seems like the oh, main one where people yeah. get really mad anytime someone does anything new or different. Or do they have have opinions on what it would be like on Tatooine? I don't even know what that is. I just think it's like a dumb sounding word. No, actually, I like that word, but I don't. Tatooine, that's fun. But I don't know (laughs) what it is either. (laughs) Um, 
Nick and I only can talk about the words and debate if we like the sounding okay, of the words. Get to the point. Yeah, I'll get to the point. What it is. How does Tatooine relate to Tata Winnie Sanderson? So I was thinking about how like people are so controlling of of that of of that IP, and I was like, oh, I think, and judging them, but then I was like, oh wait, I have my own. I think it's Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that's true. And it's not as it's not as many hours of of world building as George no, Lucas set forth, but it still feels very ownershipy. Where I'm like, and I'm not a fan of owning anything, in that sense. And I felt like, oh, whoa, I feel like this is my thing. Oh, of course. And Nick was like, oh, it's your thing because as a child, I was as we know this, as I've said this on the podcast before, I was obsessed with witches, and I was obsessed mm-hmm. with Bette Midler. And when this thing came out, it was like two comments colliding, and. It was more than anything I could ever imagine, and it's and it still lives in that. It still lives in my nostalgia. It still lives in my childhood fantasies. Blah 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 blah. So I've encased this, and I've I've assumed ownership of it. What I think is so funny is this fucking project has grown so huge. Nick just sent me an entire like list of things to buy from Hocus Pocus. Oh my gosh, the fucking merch on it, the fucking every, I mean, it's such a huge thing. And I mean, this has been talked about to death on podcasts and NPR and just like basic any program covering Hocus Pocus about how all the millennials who grew up with this as their like Halloween touchstone now have children and delivered them Hocus Pocus part one. And it's become this like cult, obviously cult thing. We all know that, but more importantly, it is like, all of your interests, your childhood interests combined together. Oh yeah, yeah, my childhood interests combined, but now it's like, but now it's just it's it's a it's a massive product. I mean you can literally buy you can literally buy a tie-dye t-shirt. Yeah. Hocus, for, to represent Hocus Pocus one. Yeah, yeah. You can, can buy you can buy Max's t-shirt from Hot Topic. Like it's it's not even just the witches. It's like, not just like a Hocus Pocus t-shirt. It's Max's. It's a costume reproduction of a banal '90s tie-dye t-shirt, and of a character that's literally not the same. We know they we know that there's all the Sanderson sister costumes that have been out, and everyone's I mean, dressing. Now you can dress as fucking Max because that's I want to dress as Vanessa is. Shaw in like that Ooh. oversized sweater she had on. I knew you were going to say her, like, big Victorian gown. I knew you were going to be like, I want to do that, like, high-waisted tapered jean with a, a, the nice chunky sweater that she wears to go and face That's the witches. That's all I ever wanted to wear in the 90s. You I should even ask like Michelle. You should start this. I wanted to look like Drew Barrymore in Scream. I wanted to look like David Austin Green from 90210. That's all I wanted to look like. I needed a <laughs> chunky cream sweater and a stonewashed jean. And I would say, look at you now. Look at me now. I'm wearing a Whitney Houston. You won. You won. You did it. You did it. Looking cute. Um, So I think it's funny to think about ownership. Huh? I really thought Vanessa Shaw was going to show up in this one as a cameo. She was my cameo I thought was going to happen, and it didn't. You thought her? I thought it was going to be Vanessa. I I thought Max was going to show up. I I thought – I mean, I knew Thora Birch wasn't because, like, a couple days ago, she was like, I'm not in this, and I don't know why. Um, but then no, she had a sibling conflict. I I read. Oh well, the I didn't read it, but the title was she was like I don't know why, or maybe she knew why. That's why she dropped. I mean, she's like she dropped out. Mom, not making her the mom of those girls is like unconscionable to me. I know. Like I just wanted to hear Winnie go. Oh, hello, Danny. I know. 
I know with all the throwbacks, it's like, let's just throw it all the way back. Anyway, so I think it's interesting. The thing with ownership and and with all of that, I got I, I felt I, I felt nervous for a month now about this coming out. I, it's like you're yeah. it's like your team's fucking going to the playoffs. I know. And it's also like they put out this. I don't know if you all watch this, but during the pandemic, they did like a bad Zoom reunion, Hocus Pocus, where they were kind of like auditioning for like making a sequel. And it was not cute. It was some really dark sided green screen, um, bad lighting. Yeah, it's just horrifying like like Beth's assistant like obviously like put her in front of a green screen in her house and I was but this is this film Hocus Pocus it's so sumptuous it looks so good the color is so saturated the three of them look amazing let's get into it babe what did you think I thought it was really cute I thought it was really 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 cute I watched it last night okay so here's my here's like my OG, I feel like here's my thing with Beth. When I first saw her concert in 2004, um, Kiss My Brass, I had Mm -hmm. spent all of that time learning every single song she was going to sing. I memorized every joke. I read every review until the point where I knew every joke. I read every fan review on it. And so I just sat there watching with my legs shaking nervous, not breathing, just Mm -hmm. anticipating everything. Having this like bizarre heightened level. I'm not saying this is a good way to go about worshiping your divas, but that's just what I did. So last night I low-key kind of sat there and I didn't breathe. (laughs) Like I just, (laughs) I just didn't really breathe. I, I just, you know, I felt tight. Like I couldn't relax. So I had to watch it this morning and relax and, and open myself up to really catching all of the jokes, all of the amazing timing that they still have. Oh, their timing is still so, so good. And she's having such a good time. I had a lot of fun watching this. I watched it with friend of the podcast and other resident Bette Midler expert, Nick Mayo, came over to my house and we watched it together and we made popcorn and like turned our phones off and made it all sacred. And we made a calming circle before we started and it was great. But she's so, they're so funny still. And the jokes were cute. The, I, I loved that we got through everything in the trailer or everything that we had seen within like the first five minutes of seeing the witches again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they give us an origin story. They give us a, they give us a kind of sisters, mm-hmm. sisters uniting against the patriarch origin story. We're tiny right. little women getting married off. Yeah, they're going to marry off Winifred and maybe send Mary and Sarah like into some sort of pilgrim foster care. Yep. But then they and went into like, the woods. Not on my watch. They go into the woods and they meet Mother Witch, played by Hannah Waddingham. Who I think is doing like a really kind of good um, impersonation of Bette Midler. <laughs> like I kind of think she really is kind of bringing, kind of rolling her tongue, rolling her R's and giving that kind of regal, royal. That costume was busted though. Her that co- costume was I busted. Was thank you. I did not love that costume. I was like, what is this? Like why they like ironed on a patch. Off. That's that, that costume gave me my, was give, at first I was like, uh Oh, uh Oh, SpaghettiOs. Are we doing I was like, little, uh-oh, spaghettios in this whole prequel thing? Yes. Yes. I was nervous. I was nervous. I was nervous. And I was, I, I, I thought it looked good, but I was like, Oh, is this, is this going to work? It ended up really, the beginning ended up really working for me. I thought it was cute. 
It was cute. The girls are fine. It's like not, you know, it's not my Bialik level. Let's just take it there. I know, I know, I know. I was like, this is, this ain't, this is, this ain't no Mayam. So I don't know. But who, who is? Who is? Who is? I mean, come on. You, you know, it's very rare that you get a Jeopardy host and actress all in and one. And Bette Midler impersonator. Child Bette Midler impersonator. It's really important. She didn't have Gary Marshall directing her. Though I do have to say, I love, I thought it was, Anne Fletcher did a great job. Anne Fletcher directed Hocus Pocus 2. Jen D'Angelo wrote it. And it was produced by Lynn Harris. So it's kind of like an all-girl production here. I mean, they've been, so like when we were talking about how this thing has grown, how you can literally buy Max's costume. They Obviously, we know this. They've been trying to get this off the ground for years. For years, they each one of them has said this is the one project that they get asked about by every single person about when there's going to be a new one. They've said, and Beth says like that Kathy and Jimmy. Beth says that Kathy and Jimmy was really the keeper of the flame on this. That she was really the one who like really communicate with fans, try to like keep the fires burning for Hocus Pocus too. But ultimately, it was like Bet who did it, and. And obviously sequels are hard. Sequels with women are really hard. There was a whole thing when they did the First Wives Club and they were like, this is such a hit. We're going to keep doing these things. And no one, and just no one did. So did you read that article this week? What Bet said? What? There's this article in Insider. I, I found it this morning and put it in my notes or IndieWire um, about First Wives Club, the sequel. And I guess they were trying to talk to the studio right after the first or no, in like 2002 they were talking to the studio about a sequel and Goldie Hawn was told that they would all have to agree to be paid what they were paid for the first movie. (laughs) And she said, now if men had a picture that grossed $180 million in 1996, and then they were asked to do a second one, they would get paid three times as much. And bet said that to the studio and they were like, well, too bad basically. And she said, and that put the nail in the coffin of the first wives club sequel. Yeah, I mean, I guess they just didn't do it. Yeah, and I guess they literally had to like sell so much merch that they got down to selling like the teenage characters' clothes for Disney to finally be like, "Oh, there's a fan base here," and they knew there was a fan base. This, they started Disney the the, the way that obviously Hocus Pocus gained um, uh, fame is that they just kept putting it on the Disney Channel for Halloween, and then they kept right. putting it on, and at some point they were putting it on for 24 hours. It was getting every year a million views. They released on Blu-ray, like, a whole deleted scenes, a whole Hocus Pocus thing in 2018. So, like, uh, Disney has known that there is some rabid fan base. I, you know, I'll tell you what, my biggest regret of this whole film is that they did, is that fucking stupid-ass Disney with all their billion-dollar Disney bucks didn't, didn't put their full back behind it and, and release it in the theater and really I, give them. Absolutely. Back. I wish this would have been released in the theater so badly. Because if you, if anyone wants to know all the tea on the first film, we recorded an episode about that a couple of Halloweens ago. Just scroll down our episodes here. I think the episode title is world war Danny. And um, we talk about how they <laughs> released it in the summer instead of Halloween because they July. had nightmare in July because they had Nightmare Before Christmas coming out. And the other funny thing to me is how, you know, just like back then, critics now are trying to say like, oh, it's fun, but it's ultimately stupid or ultimately like not great. And this is going to have just as much of a cult following because I really feel like it scratches all the itches. But really, I like the plot of this movie. Like there's a 
really good fun caper going on that I was into. Yeah, you know, I think I I, I don't know. I reading some review today there yesterday they were like they don't really reinvent it, but when things are so good, why would you why would you mess with something that works so well? Exactly, you know, like, and why you don't need to reinvent it. You want to see it's really, the character. No, it really is. It's the Three Stooges. Like truly, truly, they lean into the Three Stooges quality of this, and that was that's the whole. Uh, thing you just put three stooges those movies you would just put them in different locations and you just have them keep going because it works so well because like dynamic is so effortless and magical you know so that's that's what sorry i'm hiccuping that's what we want to see yeah that is absolutely what we want to see and we want to just like give them a task to go on which in this one is they are going to do the magica mystica spell you better believe it bitch the spell that they were told by Mother Witch, don't you do. Don't you don't do, do this. Spell. And Book doesn't want to do it. Book was being a him I was not for in this movie. Book's a himbo. Book's a, a bad book. Such a himbo. I hated Book. I love Book. I was, I mean, talk about himbo and sexy. I was like, mm, Book is giving it to me. Book He's is giving strong. you the eye. Yeah, book, me the eye. book sweats and then cries. And when book cries, I almost cried. Like when book was crying, I was like, I'm gonna cry. I mean, when the okay, so the moment I knew I was okay, so they make you wait 30 fucking minutes to get the fucking three stooges in this movie. And it's a very tense 30 minutes for me because I was like, is it gonna be okay? And at first, and I said this to Jason off mic yesterday when we were anticipating it. I was like, oh, I found out that they just sing a song randomly, like not on stage, which is something I was weird about because I was like, oh, is there, are they changing the aesthetic to like a musical where they just sing for fun? And so they, when the witches pop up, okay, so these two young girls light the black flame candle in the woods and the witches pop up out the ground, like out of hell which is great and looks beautiful. And they start singing The Witch's Back, like a cover of El the Elton John. Out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And then the girls, it's like the movie is self-conscious of itself, you know? And it's <laughs> the girls are like, why are, who are they singing to? Yeah. And Sarah Jessica Parker pops up and she goes, for you. Ah. And the fact that they're doing it to catch the girls, I was like, yes, I love this. And then they just stopped the song. It was great. I was like, this is great. In fact, but then it the worked so well I for me. I wanted more. I could I could have just done with endless and that that like that height. I could have done with endless that height. Like and and they did, because we will get to it. They have a musical part two where it's like, oh, this is so fucking ridiculous. And I'm mm -hmm. it's my favorite scene, you know, so I'm obsessed. In, when I, I really knew we were in good hands, though, the first time Bet called for Book, when she turns around and calls for, for Book, and I was, I turned to Nick Man and I go, the original key. <laughs> she does it in the same key. Yes, in the same key she did in 93. And Bet always, if you don't know this, if you're not a student of this podcast, Bet hasn't changed the keys of her songs in her concerts for her whole career. She sings in the original key. Not everyone does that. I won't name names, but Bette Midler does sing in the original key. And I was just like, her voice just like flipped into that register and she sounded so fucking good. And I was like, yes, mama is here. She is in her full prime, her full voice, her full comedy timing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I watched, I watched it with, I watched it with some girlies and 
uh, they were all like, whoa, each one of them, each one of them are giving, just giving to, and I think, I, I, so if so we have to get into it, let's, let's, let's do the negative in the front. I think the real downside is that they do not give our, our teen protagonists enough characters or interesting things to do. No. Because everyone gets quips. Everyone gets personalities. Everyone is going to 100. Everyone. All of the adults. And unfortunately, these girls are just kind of there to, like, continue the story without, an, like, they should be funny. They should each have, like, archetype, like, you know, characteristics. Give me a goth. Give me kind of a sexy queer one. Give me, you know, give me, give me these things these so that they can literally play like in light blue and gray, like bland clothes. Like they're, they are not going to be selling those, these outfits at Hot Topic. No, you will not be getting those teenage outfits. And I, oh, but, but, they, but they, and they only get the only, they only get really one funny thing at the, at the very beginning, which they're like, we're 40. We're not <laughs> yeah. teenagers. We're 40. Cause that's like, if we see some teens, we are killing them. We are killing <laughs> teenagers. That's what we hate. We hate the teenagers. And the girls are like 40. And the witches are like, ooh. Oh, you look good. And then, uh, but I do love it later when Kathy and Jimmy has the callback. And she goes, Weenie, I found the 40-year-old teenagers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kathy's kind of an MVP for me. She really steps up she in was- a big fucking wave on this, on this one. She is such a fucking kook. And that voice is just, I forgot how low it was. Like that whole thing is so fucking great, and I you love how Mary has the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she has the power of anachronism. Like Mary just randomly knows things, like the phrase "kawabunga." Oh, bitch! That's when I stood out of my couch. I was like, I was like, <laughs> rewind. Mary is on two Roombas. Mary is on. I'm doing my Oprah. Mary got Roombas, <laughs> and just goes kawabunga. I'm like. I'm like, someone wrote that in the script and someone's like, no one says cowbunga anymore. And then someone, my my angel said, keep it, keep it. It's fine. I'll sell it. I'm going to start doing cowabunga. Cowabunga. Anytime I get into my car, I'm going to go cowabunga. But it also made me think, it was like double nostalgia. It made me think like, oh, Mary heard that in the 90s, the last time she was up from hell. And she's still like rocking her 90s phrases. Yeah, that, yeah, I really wanted her to be. Yeah, that was like the one thing that she heard, and then she was like, "I'm gonna stay current if I ever come back. I'm gonna stay current." That's what I, I, just, I was like. Focus, focus to Roomba Boogaloo. That's like the the Roombas. Who knew the Roombas were gonna come back? I love that the Roombas like had their own little personalities. That they were like kind of their assistants. Batteries not included. That's what it was giving me. Just it was like giving little... me batteries not included too. Oh, um, I have never seen salt. They rely so hard on the salt plot in this. Like, oh, yeah. damn, they use that salt everywhere. I didn't realize that the salt would actually make a force field around the witches. That's new. That was That's new. I mean, it was yeah, that was kind of fun. It, it kind of, that kind of like kept them in there and had them interact with the mayor which was yes, Tony Hale. Like the whole cast of Veep is in this movie. You've got Tony Hale and Sam Richardson, who are both so great. Sam Richardson, fab, fabulous. What a I, fun kind of twist. What a fun story. Like his backstory is he's running the Sanderson Witch Museum now, but he in 1993 was getting bullied for like basically dressing as a witch on Halloween. 
And then he sees the three of them in the sky and like devotes his life to bringing them back. They really play on, on our obsession with the witches. Mm -hmm. They really play on, on on, and on the growing obsession and the, the need to just want to be them, be around them. So he's our surrogate for that. And I think that's really smart. I thought that was like a really smart kind of like, we've all been watching them since 93. And, and also like, was grown. they run, I mean, I do love when they're in the Walgreens. I love their finding of the Walgreens. I love when um, Sarah, I can't believe how big the Walgreens is. And then Bet just like straight up drinking face lotion. Oh, just sucking it down. Getting, getting that, getting face mist sprayed into her mouth. Like eating the face, eating the face mask, thinking it's an infant's skin. Huh. Tastes like raspberry. <laughs> it's like, it's really beautiful. But then they see these other young people dressed as them. And Winifred's obsession with like her, I mean, Winifred's ego is like her downfall, right? She thinks she's so, and watching Bet just realize that she's being idolized by people is so beautiful. And taking it in. Oh, and like basking yeah, in it. Really, I mean, every, the whole movie really plays on our cultural obsession with these women. And and they said it in Salem where, you know, like fictitiously, the town Salem is the lure of the, of the you know, is real in this world. But they really show us like kind of at every turn how obsessed we are with it. It's kind of a mirror and it's delightful. And we can see the witches and celebrate being like, well, we're just kind of famous everywhere. Like everywhere we go, people are obsessed with us. People want to be us. Ugh, I love so that you talk to that witch who's trying to sell poison apples. That's one of my favorite lines. Oh my, my god! Favorite. So there's this witch trying to sell these poison apples, and Bet tells her that she can't announce that they're poison, or else she won't kill anyone. Amateur. I mean, kind of the best. I, the thing that I realized, I guess I didn't realize before, like her legit evil, like Winifred's love of murdering innocence is what makes her so fun. Yeah, I would say they tone it down. They kind of tone down the um the menacing qualities. Like they're kind of they're they're more three stoogy than they are like kind of villainesses. But they yeah, but they they, they delight in the nasty. Like they they are they celebrate and they are joyful. Mm. In like you know, even in the beginning, when the when before they're witches, when they're little girls, and they bring her the spider, and she's like, "Oh, it's beautiful! It's beautiful!" Yeah. You know, like they love it. Like they, they kind they of love, just love destruction. They love. Oh, it's like that's the best part of it, and that's like always the best part of Halloween. Like just getting to indulge a little bit in your nasty, spooky side. Yeah, and the and grotesque. Like, and the grotesque. And the grotesque, which is ultimately what they also are, which is three grotesques. Like, that's the yeah. other fun of it, too. Yeah. Oh, so, so should we get to the stage? Should we get to the, the altar? Beth's altar? I was obsessed every time she was like, get off my altar. I was like, that's the right. stage is her altar. Oh, do you want to know the way to the stage? And she says, always. Oh, and it's just, I, it's. You it's know, like Winifred, Winifred, Winifred is a piece of Bette Midler. Like she brings so much Bette Midlerness to it. So much of like the showgirl, so much of the campy show off that she is, is Winifred. So as much as we're rooting for Winifred in the movie, we're really, we, it's all about all of our love for Bette, which is why this I'm movie not, is also. Did I not, I mean, I'm, I'm, I already said it, but that touched my heart, babe. Mm-hmm. She said always, I was just like, 
always like all, you know please always like always find your way to that altar so that we I, I can worship this, you like I was saying this on Twitter last night I was like can you actually think can you actually name me I know this didn't open in theaters but still it was like a big movie opening this weekend for whatever era we're in can you name me another time when a 76 year old woman has headlined an opening weekend of a major studio motion picture? Mm, I don't know. Well, I'm going to have to think on that off mic. I'll wait. <laughs> like, because the other thing that was making the rounds the other day was the Betty Davis, you know, when Betty Davis put out the ad in Variety after mm-hmm. Baby Jane mm-hmm. asking for work and saying that she would send her resume to any of the studios because mm-hmm. she couldn't get work. I was thinking about Betty Davis whom Bet is named for. And we were like, being like qualities. She was like, I'm a mother. I'm a <laughs> Yeah. I've acted in over 60 films, like all of these things. But I was like, Betty Davis would actually be proud of this moment. That a 76-year-old woman is leading this film on opening weekend for Hollywood. You know, it's just like it, it's a big fucking deal. And it should happen a lot. More often. But it's like what 76-year-old woman is has been like literally it was because of the fans that this is coming back there's no other reason it's because of the rabid fan base that has just grown and grown and grown in size that has like begged for her to come back so like when does that happen right based on just a characterization in what is considered a b kids movie and with the with the the gals that i was sitting with they're like wait wait really jason 30 years is like no no 30 years 30 years this is 30 30 years like that's a that's a long time to love something and to and to and to keep something alive. Like most things don't stay past. You know how much how much do we take in and that just leaves after a year? Things it's really hard to get a, get a thing to become a classic. It's next to impossible. I mean, granted, I think what it has going for it is that there's just no that Halloween in general, uh, like in tandem, has just like taken off and has like such a fervor. And me and fuck included. Yeah, but our other favorites that we've done episodes on, like The Witches, does not have this. Like, no. there's something about it hits the perfect spot of being able to be enjoyed by adults and kids. It's, like, a little scary, but also, like, it also has musical numbers, which we're getting to. But, like, all of those things, like, add up to just a, a magic a magic potion. A magic potion or lotion. Yeah. Watching for the second, yeah, like I from once I calmed down, I was breathing the second time, catching all the jokes. Maybe I'll have to tell you all watch it, watch it twice. You're gonna watch it twice. I when I watched it the first time, I was like, I'm gonna put this on while I decorate for the to have people over for the original. But then I watched it this time, and I was like, no, I'm just gonna. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna watch this every year. I think this. Yeah, might be I will. I hope they put it in a little bundle. I mean, I hope they put it in a bundle so you can start the first movie and it will just play continuously into the second movie. But what we're coming up to on her altar, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. This is my favorite, 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 favorite. When, she, when they're on her altar. Those drag queens didn't get much to do, but shout out to... Shout out to Ginger Minj, Kamora Hall, and Cornbread Jeté. They didn't get... I mean, Ginger got a line. Ginger got a line and got to be next to bet. I was just like, whatever. You got to be next to bet more than I can say, more than most people in this world can say. So lucky you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lucky, lucky you. You got to stand on stage on her altar and have her shush you off. 
Uh, I mean, likes- I love I love when they lose. It's a Sanderson Sisters lookalike contest. If you if you haven't watched this movie yet and you're into 36 minutes into this podcast, you're directed. Yeah, spoiler alert. Watch the movie. They lose the Sanderson Sisters lookalike contest, and it makes Winnie so angry when she fucking pelts the judge in the head with that trophy. I was she so pelts a pilgrim, which I'm obsessed with. She pel- she pelts like a patriarchal pilgrim, <laughs> and then goes on to sing Debbie Harry's "One Way or Another," and it's so fucking good. Obviously, like I I I ran through the. Uh, Closer, I ran close more. I, I paid attention more closely to the credits. You know who did the lyrics, right? Who did the add-on lyrics? Mark Shaman. Mark Shaman and Ben Midler. Yeah. So again, classic. He also did the same thing with um. He did the same thing with uh, the first movie. So I, I again love the callback. I love the callback, and I love that this spell does something different. In the first movie, I put a spell on you makes all the adults like dance, dance, dance until you die. Like they're supposed to dance forever, right? So that they are distracted and can't protect their children. And it may, and then Sarah Jessica can lure the children to the house. But this one, she uses it to turn all of the people at the dance into zombies to go searching for Tony Hale, who is the descendant of the mean pilgrim from the the opening flashback. Which is so that cool. Ridiculous. My favorite. My favorite scene of them just like marching in like in a, in a zombie uh, mob is my favorite thing. Where they're flying overhead and it's it's that's like high camp level uh, ridiculousness with this with this mashup of the song. They do like the proper incantation in this song. They bring that back. It's there's um there's like uh, there's throwbacks in the crowd. Did you see Madonna with the cones? Like the mother. Oh, I didn't see Madonna with the cones, but I did. I mean, they were doing the Easter egg of the Marshalls so many times. The Marshalls? So the uh, Penny and Gary Marshall, because. Oh, so many times. The first time Tony Hale is in line for his candied apple, which is a kind of a joke that doesn't really land. I felt like they could have done a better job with this candy apple joke, but. It was uh, not essential. I feel like they could have made Tony Hale's whatever mission just a little bit more essential than getting like a specific candied apple. Yeah, whatever. I, I, yeah, it was that was a little bit of a flop for me. But he can sell just about anything because he's a genius. Um, but they uh, so behind him in line, there are two people dressed as uh, a devil, and then a woman with all the you know curlers in her hair, and Medusa. then. The Medusa. And then later when Chibet's flying over Salem, she goes past a window and they're actually watching the movie Hocus Pocus. Which I loved. That, I, loved. I loved that moment. Also, did you see that? You didn't know who was watching it? A gay couple. It was a gay couple. It was so cute. It was a gay couple. <laughs> that's right. That's this, this is the gay movie of the weekend. I didn't know about any other gay movies happening except for this one. <laughs> dig um yeah and then and then after that is that do we just get into the woods yeah and then no. we're in the woods we're in the fucking hundred acre wood we're just in the wood oh yeah we're we're kind of skipping over the teenage stuff because it's really not fleshed out i think that is truly the weakest weakest part like these two girls are the, the one of the one girl you know in the group is dating dating a guy who's has a weird comic relief like segment where he's just a Neanderthal, kind of weird. And yeah, so I mean, that kind of was not very funny. It's not funny. It's we don't need to talk about it. And so yeah, so then the girls all end up in the woods with 
the three sisters. Yes, the and the girls. I mean, I like the idea of the friend breakup and they want their old friend back and that they're still doing this stuff from childhood that the other girl wants to I move on more. from. I needed more of that. I needed just more personality. I needed more. Yeah, they just needed to be more uh, distinct and extreme like our girls are. Like they needed to mirror that in some way. They kind of did them dirty in that. I feel like they could have really... They just needed a couple of wisecracks and just a couple of characters, like like character traits. We just need a couple of traits there to differentiate. Yeah, yeah like just make the the girl who's an actual witch just like give her more of like a Daria kind of like dark um, Lydia Dietz personality. You know what I mean? And, and I was rewatch. I was watching it this morning, and with my girlfriend, and she was like, "Look, they don't react to anything. Like this is some pretty extreme shit, and they just kind of are." They just kind of have this wide-eyed, like, oh, oh, are they flying on brooms? Oh, is that like a dead man walking with his headless yeah, corpse they walking? They weren't afraid of anything. It wasn't yeah. like Thora Birch, like legit yep. screaming for her life. Yep. Like that's the, the Thora Birch and even the max of it all being like, holy shit, we could die. Like that's what gives the tension is like, if we don't make, if we don't make like some executive decisions right now, we're dead zoes. And like, so I just yeah, kind of really needed to up that. It's I think it's like a lot of this like young school of acting of like less is more, which just doesn't work in Hocus Pocus 2, where the rule is more is more. It's more, is more, is more, and then it ends. And then it just uh-huh. and then like you just and then they just keep going more and more until the credits roll. That's what we need. And that's what Sam Richardson was giving us. That's what Tony Hale was giving us. That's what the irrepressible Doug Jones was giving us. Like they're yeah, all, all the results of the film got, but they were give. But I, I really think it's writing because they were given that they were kind of given that like fun. They were like, I don't, none of those girls got fun to do. They didn't get any. They had nothing fun. No, kind of the ditzy, stupid boy got a little bit of fun, but the girls didn't get a lot of fun. But bless them anyway. Their names are Whitney Peak, Melissa Escobedo, and uh, Lilia Buckingham. So I don't. I, I guess... like them in this scene. I like them in the woods. The, the stuff in the woods is really. Tender and the sweet. stuff in the woods is fun. The stuff in the woods is fun, and they start getting their powers, and they fight over book. But they go to the woods. Art the Sanderson sisters go to the woods to make, as I mentioned before, the Magica Mystica spell. No, Magicai Maxima spell, which will make Winnie the most powerful witch on earth. And she does some digs at Sarah and um, fucking Mary in this. And then, yeah, I think I wish that could have actually gotten a little bit more explored throughout the film because I think that's an interesting thing that was like that was leading up from the first film is that Winifred is is just really out for herself and really only cares. Like you see that all in the first film and you see that now. And this is kind of when they also realize that they can shoot like different colored lightning out of their hands. And so they're like, that's I'm your favorite part. Oh, I love that. But I, I'm powerful too. And then I love that, you know, that tension of them being like, stop, I am a good sister. I am like, I I do, I do everything. Like, stop treating me like shit. Like, I love yeah. that dynamic right there. I was like, that's cool. That's some real sister issues that is coming up and need to be dealt with. Yeah. And I feel like there was maybe more of that that got cut out of the earlier part of the movie. Because you can see it like register. You can see that Sarah is playing it the whole movie. You know, and that well, I also the like, beginning, what's that? At the very beginning, they were like, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. The children are in lotions. And she's like, you don't call for them. 
Hmm. That was like my one thing to do. Yeah. And you can see she's like, they're like, they kind of take away her power from that. You know, like they take, and she's like, oh no, that's not good. (laughs) Like that's, that was my thing. In my mind, Sarah Jessica was like, okay, if I'm going to do this again, I want to give sister Sarah a little bit more. One more dynamic. And Kathy and Jimmy's like, no, I'm good at just barking. I'm going to (laughs) continue to bark. She's like, she's like, in my contract, I want to still bark and I want some Roombas because I think that is funny. One of my How favorite parts of babies is when they all like have to do the confab about whether or not they're going to go to Walgreens and they each have a little turnaround to the girls to see if they're still there is so <laughs> funny. <laughs> like you can also tell that they're just that there's a lot of improv happening. Like when they all panic at one point, Bet screams pandemonium, and it's my favorite. <laughs> See, after we watched it, I didn't hear pandemonium. I, have, I think the sound could have been a little tighter, too. I was having to turn up my TV to 100 on my yeah, room. Yeah, I did, too. I, wanted, I just want it in a theater, in a Dolby surround, in the IMAX. I don't know why this wasn't released on IMAX to play on IMAX for five weeks, but whatever. But, but you know what? They've been putting Hocus Pocus back in the theaters. I really think that, like, some indies, you know, or are going to do like a double night, a double feature or something. So we just got to get, we just got to get there. Oh my God. It would be so much fun. I haven't seen it in the theater since 1993. Oh my gosh. My other favorite line. So in the woods, um, our, our young witch girl, I don't even know their names. That's the problem too, right? I don't know their names. I don't, I watched it twice now and I do not know their names. I cannot tell you a single one. They don't even have Winnie, like, you know, it's like Winnie in the original one. I was saying this to you before. It's like, hello, Max. Like, they became her nemesis, you know? And they feel like they don't let that that adversarial quality build. And maybe because this one, they were focusing more on it being about sisterhood. And they didn't let Winnie hate these girls as much as she needed to, to let the girls kind of come to the fore. I wish there was, but I think there could, maybe in the, if there's a third, there could be, I think there's an element of, instead of trying to eat them, um, tra- I think she could have maybe been trying to transform them into, into you know. Well, in the next one, if there, if there is a third, I think the only way to do it is they have to call the Sanderson sisters back to help them. That's what I just said before we started talking. I was just telling someone that's the only way. Thanks, babe. We're on the same yep. page. All right, we're writing for Disney. I, we're submitting this to Disney. We're not doing our podcast anymore. We're writing Hocus Pocus three. We're Disney. in the writers' room for Hocus Pocus three. We're Mickey very busy. It should be a male <laughs> adversary, a male adversary that they're like, we can't beat this him by ourselves. Like Satan or something. And so yeah. Winnie has to come back. It should be Satan. And Satan should be played by, I don't even know. I would say Tim Curry, but he's retired. I don't know who should play Satan, but someone amazing. Hmm. Okay. We'll think on that. We're thinking on that. That's, that's, that's our Satan him show. That's our Satan yeah. him show where we fantasize about a male actor there. But here, <laughs> this is this is not for the girls. No, Satan should definitely be played by Jennifer Coolidge. Never mind. Yep. There we go. Um, there we go period done but no i was saying so one of the girls gets book from winnie and what my other favorite line is when bet looks at her and she goes, i don't need a book i actually when book left 
winning, that also hit me emotionally. That was emotional. Because mm-hmm. that's look is besides her sisters, her other best friend. You know, her yes. other companion. Book. I love that the idea of just like you know, like in the first one, it was book. You know, so they were she would always sing to it. But I love just like pronouncing like some like this is this is my thing, and it's just called Buck. <laughs> like it's like you know, like just like mm-hmm. a flat name for something. Like this is my cat. It's called Cat. This is book. It's called Buck. <laughs> we should my- get a cat, a black cat, and name it Book. Oh, I should. That's very hocus pocus. It's very hocus pocus. It's very hocus pocus to have a black cat named Buck. That the, the next cat is- in part three that we're writing now, we're going to name the cat Buck. Yes, and then we're going to hold do a whole gags in that when she calls Book, but the black cat comes. Uh huh. <laughs> she just can't get it right. You got it. it? <laughs> Three's a charm, girls. We're going to do that one more time, Bat. One more time. <laughs> oh, I have to plug my computer in, or it's going to die. Um. Okay, so then we have to get to it. We have to get to the ending because it's so beautiful. Yeah, so the whole time it's real, it's real, Three Stooges, uh, it's real nostalgia. They're really doing a lot of callbacks. They're doing a lot of yucks. Um, it, it, it's, I would say like with the menacing, it's a lot more, lot, this, this thing is a lot more lighter fun. It really does feel like a Disney um like a Disney Channel movie more than it does feel like a movie in a theater. I think that's because of the budget. I don't know. I didn't feel that way, but okay. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way, but like, I just feel like... like, It reminded me of like 2001 Space Odyssey, Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) It it really was like a blockbuster in the theater experience for me, but... Yeah, it was a big epic, like uh, so many locations. How do they shoot that? How do they do that? That's not yeah, green. How do they capture this? Was that, that all real bird that they just swallowed? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So, <laughs> they're, so they're in the woods, and Bet does the spell. Uh huh. She, she does the magic of Mystica and gets when her eyes turn purple, bitch. Cool, cool. I love that. I clocked that. I just clocked that on my second watch, and I love it. Love it. I loved it, and I was like, "What are these powers she's gonna get?" But what did she not do? She didn't read the fucking warning on the po- on the spell, did she? You know, you got to read warnings, kids. You got to read the warnings. So the warning was that if you do this spell, you're going to lose what you hold most dear. And what's that, babe? That's her sisters. And her sisters disappear. And Kathy gets the best joke right before she disappears. What is it? Um, Sorrow is. She goes, I was the favorite. I know. We won't tell don't tell her. But no, they, what did she say? Um, sorrow, sorrow is such, such sweet, sweet parting. Such sweet parting. And then she does her iconic bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and then they kind of explode like in the original. But they actually, ex- they kind of explode into like, you know, twinkly stardust. One's purple, one's pink. And it lit and it stays around Bat. It kind of twinkles around Bat. And when Sarah says, Winnie, the wind is stealing my fingers. Ooh. <gasps> Oh, I was like, oh no. And then Bet gets this, you know what? And I, I had to write this down, babe. I had to write this down because she, it sits in her perfect pocket. And Bet's perfect pocket is this rue, regret. You know, there's this element, no one does regret like Bet Midler. And when like she what says, you? what did you text me? I said, this is. I mean, this is, for anyone that got the chance to see her in Hello, Dolly, she's camped the whole time. 
she's camp, she's she's delicious, she's playing it up, and then she takes it and she she turns a screw on you in a way that you're not expecting. And mm-hmm. she drops you in um, mm-hmm. just for this like one moment where she's talking to her dead husband and she's like, I don't want life to pass me by. And she does, and I feel like she does that same fucking magic yep. right here where she's just like, right oh, here, where she has the line, my do my doing has been my undoing. undoing. Ah. Uh, and then I wanted her to sing Stay With Me to her sisters. It felt like a Stay With Me middle of the song concert monologue. That would be so sick if she just started doing a ballad, ballado, like right after her sisters die. Mark Shaman adapted Stay With Me to be done in the Disney universe. That would be, but yeah, so, but then she has to beg book. She has to beg book. Is there anything that you can do? Do what she's done because she has to be with her sisters. Yeah, she's like, it's not worth it. It's not. This is actually. This is the one thing that's not worth it. Like, I don't. It's not worth having all of these power without my coven, without my people, without her, without her sisters. She's nothing, and that was just like powers are her sisters. So like, that's not. This isn't going to work to be solo. Like it's kind of that that you know genie lamp request where like you want something but it actually backfires. This is the thing that has backfired on her. She's all powerful, but but she doesn't have her people. So what what's the point of running of of destroying Salem? You know, if she can't do it with Mary, like she she doesn't want to eat children if she doesn't get to fricassee them with Mary. Fricassee. I was like, when what she just <laughs> she said fricassee. What is a fricassee? Is that is that a made up word? Is fricassee? No, fricassee is it's just a way. It's just a method of cooking, like chicken fricassee. Oh, I'm gonna fricassee all day, freaking long. Man, I you know what merch I could deal with is Mary Sanderson's children's cookbook. Oh yes. Oh, give me that. You're gonna you are gonna have to edit some of this out because we are going to Disney Plus. Because we're going to Disney. We're going to the Disney lot. We have all these ideas. These are good ideas. We have to. We do have to take out these ideas, or else they're just going to be in the movie, and we're going to have to deal with it. And and Target's going to do a Mary's cookbook. We can't have this happen. <laughs> we can't lose all this fucking. Well, I'm going to have to get into the editing suite, babe. No, this is coming out raw, unedited. You're going to hear about me my computer. Oh wait, shit! When she had a dungeon. That was my favorite. That was my favorite kind of spell casting thing where she'd like, I love when she does incantation. So when she does like an incantation that like no one's gonna hear you cry, no one's gonna see you. Bye bye yes. bye. I know every time she had a new incantation, I was like, Oh, Jason loves this so much. When she love used it. her special days of our lives hourglass. I love it. I love it. I always can have more of that. I can have more and more. I can and more always have more of that. I mean, that's where I can like build it out. I'm like, I want to know where all of Winnie's magic things are in this house. We're like going all the way back to. I was a little bit like, why is this house surrounded by things? Remember, like in in 19, I guess like urban planning has really urban taken small. off. Urban yeah, small has really destroyed it. But I didn't like that. I I really could have gone back to the old nostalgia of the. Of the house, kind of, of the house, like looking like the old house. I know. Yeah, and talked in the woods. So that 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 would be one of my big redos. But yeah, Beth gives this kind of do another bike ride. I would do another callback and let the girls have a long bike ride through Salem, like we did in the first one. I guess they didn't have the same locations, probably, so they weren't able to do that. But they damn, did shoot this during COVID. They shot this like last year, I think the fall of last okay. year. They were, and and that was still pretty bad. Like. Pretty bad times. 
Yeah, I mean, Bette, I think, had to leave shooting to go to her Kennedy Center honor, which we also, I mean, we talked about it, I think, on the For the Boys episode last fall, but Bette got her Kennedy Center honor, and it was not everything we hoped it would be, but she got it. She got it. She got it, and she wore white, and she looked beautiful. And then she really wanted the end with this kind of, again, I think that was really smart. We all have this affinity for Winnie and to kind of give us a sentimental moment. It's like, it it kind of reaffirms like our love for you and kind of Mm -hmm. the basis of our love for you is, is your attachment to your sisters and this bond. And I thought that was a really, and I, I think she still kind of played it with a sense of humor and whimsy too, but also with this heart where she, and, and so she has the young coven cast the spell. She's like, you're you new witches cast this spell. Yeah. And I could have dealt with, I just, yeah, I just really think the biggest flaw is not us not rooting for this coven. Like even when they all got back together, I wasn't like, yes, they're back together now. And that's how I should have felt. Like we needed the other girl to be meaner. Like there needed to be a bigger divide, a bigger chasm that they cross. You know, but I really, but, but I really love when the when the main protagonist, the main witch, casts the spell, and then when he's like, "Where are they? Where are my sisters?" and she was like, "That's not what the spell was. Mm-hmm. The spell is to send you to them." And Beth mm-hmm. just has this like smile on her face, and she's like, "Come, sisters!" And then the two glowing orbs of the sisters come and wrap up around her, and it's just. And it's they all really, go back to hell together to just hang out back, until the third movie. Like, fuck, they back to hell again, I guess. Well, they like hell. They never said they dislike hell. So they really love hell. So Yeah, no, they're they're happy there. I mean, they'd rather be on Earth like trying to eat children, but they're happy there. They're happy there. I also love that that the last thing was like, come sisters. Like that that like call together. It like was able to be about sisterhood and women and being together without it didn't I'm at risk of sounding stupid, but it wasn't corny. It was good. It was good. It was good. It it I feel like I will like if I have to if I just have to get some um some shots in of some stuff, like I'll go to the um blondie song one way or the other, and then I'll go to the end. Like if I just need to if I just needed some pick-me-ups. Those are the two mm-hmm. scenes that I'm going to go to just to kind of get my feelings on. Oh, and my let's hope also call out focus. nothing like a credit sequence with a song for me and where you show the people's pictures with their names is my favorite thing. Did you say till the very end? Yes. Of course. And it's beautiful. And they sing the witches back again and they do boy no, balls. No, the very end. What was at the very end? Oh, they do a Marvel end credit scene, babe. What? Yes, baby. Oh, I did not even see this. I'm going to pull it up right now. Hold on. Y'all are just like on the fucking hot mic. Oh my gosh. That is so crazy. No, not watch trailer, you stupid Disney Plus. Um, That is so crazy that I didn't watch that. Um, But they did do the poi balls. Did you notice that? Um, Mary does them, right? Yeah. Mary and Winnie both have poi balls. Winnie does the poi balls too? Let me turn the volume down. Sorry, everybody. You don't need the volume for this. I don't speak at the very, very end, very end. Okay, wait, I've got it. It's a black cat. He jumps up. He jumps up. He's looking around. This is our black cat named Book. <gasps> black Flame Candle 2. 
Oh, there's another black flame candle. It'd be so, better if it was number three, because then it would have made us feel like there was a third movie coming. But I understand. I wish, I wish it said number three. Like, because we've already, like, we already have the second black ca- flame candle now. Now we need a yeah. third. But I, the writer at the premiere, Jen, was like, we have ideas. And right away, right after we wrapped the first, the second one, we kind of instantly started having reasons for that, for, for things to happen again. And oh, I love that. But you all got to do it fast now. Our girl is very good, but she is getting older. It's got to go now. I, that's what I'm I mean, saying. Like it has to go now. Like you the need most to exciting shoot thing now. is that now that Michelle Williams has said that she was going to compete in lead actress, I think Bet does some category fraud, competes in supporting, and EGOTs for Hocus Pocus too. You have my prediction right there. So we are writing a Mary's cookbook for Target. We are uh, working for Disney. Exclusively mm-hmm. during the script writing for Hocus Pocus 3. And we are also um, publicists for Bette Midler's Oscar campaign for Hocus Pocus 2. Guys, don't call us. If we can't do the podcast, you know why. You We're know busy. why. But We're also, busy. one of my other favorite lines from Hocus Pocus 2 is, power is meant to be shared. Mm-hmm. So, so we always want to share our power with our battle angels. And so if... If we were to do some more episodes coming up, what do you want us to do? Write in. We're always at mail at forthegirlspodcast.com. I just actually reactivated that this morning. and um, Or tweet at us or send us a message on Instagram um, or write us a review on iTunes. I haven't begged for these things in so long. This is why I don't like podcasting. Actually, um, my friend Joel... <laughs> My friend Joel was telling me that his daughter and her friends started a podcast, but they, it's only a podcast that they make and listen to it themselves. And oh. it was about euphoria. And I was like, that's kind of oh. like our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I revisit that. I'll revisit some of our episodes just to get the, the warm feelings. Um, get your goosies. Our Black Beam Candle has not died. We, as we joked, it was only for this episode, but you know, there's the the flame is still lit. It might be low, 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 low rising. It might be a low light, but it's still there. We, it's still there. They uh, maybe the the podcast saturation has has come down. Has it? I don't even know. I don't even listen to podcasts anymore, really. Um, as you can tell by this incredibly current one that we're making today. Um, any other even news you want to send the kids out with? Anything else we need to cover? Oh, that's all I wanted to talk about. Thanks, babes. Thanks, babes, for letting us get on this hot mic and just drop some pearls of wisdom to you. Some a real Absolutely. good black hole dead takes on Hocus Pocus too. Go see it. Enjoy your spooky season. Take care of yourself. As I always say, please be safe. Please be safe. Watch Murder She Wrote. Get um get your monkeypox vaccinations and um have a spooky ooky fall. Spooky ooky fall. Go watch Halloween Kills and um Murder yeah. She Wrote. Yeah. That's what we'll be doing. And maybe we'll come back and talk about it. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there's another Black Flame candle. Send it to us. We love you. Love you. Bye, Battle Bye. Bye.